Anybody have, you got some crazy family? How many of you guys know, I asked this, I asked this last week too, but how many of you guys know you're not the crazy one? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow, uh, most of you didn't put your hand up, so I'm just going to assume that you guys are the crazy ones. So maybe I should preach a sermon next called Help My Church is Crazy. Or Help I'm Crazy. There we go. Yeah, my wife helped me out there. <laughs> Man, Thanksgiving's a fun time, isn't it? Hanging out with family and friends and, and getting to eat lots of turkey and stuff like that. You know, so this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 if you want to get there in, in the Bible. I, I got a really long intro, so we'll get there eventually. But, but Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be. But, you know, I, I remember my first Thanksgiving in my own home. And, and so Amber and I got married 15 years ago. And about a year and a half or so into the, into the marriage, we bought our house. And, and then we, had a, we were really proud, really excited that we were going to have Thanksgiving in our house. We get to host it. Because, you know, as a kid, you go to grandma's house or you go to mom's house. Or you, go, you know, you go to different people's houses. And, and I was so excited to finally host Thanksgiving in our home. So it was 2003. I remember it like yesterday. So 2003, we're, we're excited. We get the turkey. And, and, and now we've never made a turkey, but, but you know, we're excited to make a turkey, right? And, and, and so we bought a house that was built in the, in the mid-70s because it was an older home. It was a fixer-upper. And so it had the original stove and the original appliances and, and uh, a lot of original and stuff was just kind of wearing. It was older. You know, you guys know when you buy your first home, right? It's, it's maybe not up to the standards that you want, but you, you're just thrilled, right? I was just so excited to buy this, to get this house. And so we have this Harvest Gold oven that was, oh, it was, it was beautiful. I'm telling you, it was beautiful. And it was the pinnacle of fashion and style in 1974. The pinnacle. It was clear. And, and so we, we get the turkey and we, we rub it with the stuff and we get the, the thing and we put the stuffing inside of it and we get it all prepped up and we're excited. And so we, we put it into the, into the oven and, and, and you got to bake it at you know, 325 degrees or whatever it was. I can't remember now. It was a while ago. And, uh, and, and so we, you turn the oven on, and we're making side dishes, and football's on, and, and family's coming over. We're excited. And, and then, then pretty soon I, what's that smell? Is, is that, sounds like something's burning. Oh, no. It could be the, tur- no, no, the, all the knobs are right. All the knobs say we're at, you know, whatever the temperature needs to be. And so all of a sudden we open the door of the oven and smoke is coming out of the oven. And the first Thanksgiving we're going to host is going to be ruined. And so we're, we're, we're freaking out, like, what's going on? And, and why, why, what, we, we turn the te- temperature down and then it gets really cold. And we turn it back what it's supposed to be and it gets really hot. That The oven had this setting where it was like really cold or really hot, but it wouldn't do anything in the middle. And we couldn't figure it out how to balance this thing. So there's smoke coming out. There's pandemonium. There's mayhem going on in the house and, and, and temper are on edge. And, and so I need, to, I need to figure out what the temperature is inside of this oven. And so we, I, I'm that guy on Thanksgiving inside of a Walgreens. The, the, they are still open on Thanksgiving because of me. So I'm there trying to find like a oven temperature that I can like put inside of the oven to figure out what's happening. And I, I find one, I, I'm running back to the house and I put it in the oven and, and sure enough, the temperature is all over the place. The thing is not stable, or unstable, you think. In the 1970s, they made quality appliances, but but it just didn't happen, right? And so it was all over the place, and we were trying to regulate this thing. We had to keep looking in there at the therm- thermometer inside and then adjusting the knob on the top, and, and it would just be... And so meanwhile, in the chaos, 
we have these pies out on the counter. And, and, and the, the, the cat all of a sudden jumps up on the counter. And we're not paying attention. We turn around. And there's this cat hugging a pie, licking in, the, <laughs> licking in the middle of it. It's like Smeagol, you know, Lord of the Rings, my precious, my precious. Licking this pie and, and, and eating the insides of it. And we're like, no. And so we yell at the cat. And he freaks out. And he jumps over. And he knocks over a whole bunch of bottles. And one of them happened to be a bottle of red wine. And it hits the tile and splashes everywhere. And so there's, it's a mess. It messes all over the house and, and I'm pulling my hair out. You know what happened? And I was pulling my hair out and, and I'm freaking out and it's like, man, Thanksgiving is ruined and it was absolutely crazy. It was crazy. I remember that Thanksgiving like it was yesterday. Needless to say, we didn't host Thanksgiving for a long time. Was that the last time? No. Okay. <laughs> it was a little crazy. It was a little crazy. But you know what I like about Thanksgiving is everybody brings their favorite dishes. You know, like, like this year, um, I, we really wanted a turkey, and, and my, my parents were hosting, and they, they liked ham, so they provided the ham, and I provided the turkey. And, and then my sister brought some side dishes, and we brought some side dishes, and, and you have a handful of people showing up at this one house, but everybody's bringing all these dishes of food, and you have the major spread. Everybody brings their favorite dishes to this thing. And, and so that's what I, I like that about Thanksgiving. You get a variety of food that you may not normally get. But you know, this year... I'm not going to mention any names, but someone brought a Brussels sprout dish. A Brussels sprout dish. Half of you are, are like, excited about this, right? You think, that sounds really good. I see some, like, nods, and yeah, you guys are excited about some Brussels sprout dish. Um, I, I am not a fan of Brussels sprouts. But, you know, I, I was raised in a home, and, and, and to where you, if you don't like it, you just say, no, thank you, please. You don't go, ugh, Gross. Who brought the Brussels sprouts? Nasty. You know, you don't, you don't do that, right? Maybe in your family, but not in my family. We don't do that. You don't, you don't yuck someone's yum. You know what I mean? Like if they like it and they're yum, you don't yuck their yum. Because somebody loves a Brussels sprout dish. But you know, I, I like to smoke my turkey. I have a smoker at home. And so I smoke my turkey. And, and, but some people don't like the smoked meat either, you know? And, and so, but I love it. So, you know... Don't yuck someone's yum, right, at the table. But, you know, I would say that our church is kind of like a family, too. You know, like, that, isn't that kind of what makes our church so awesome? Is that everybody brings their favorite dish. Everybody brings their gift. Everybody brings their skill set. Everybody brings who they are. Because God made you specifically for a purpose, Right? I mean, the Bible says that he knew you before you were formed, which means that when he formed you, he already knew who you were and knew who he wanted you to be, which means your personality and your spiritual giftings and, and all these things that are part of who you are aren't on accident. They're, they're on purpose. And so as a church, when you show up to church, what makes our church so incredible is that we have this wide diversity of people here. We have, we have diversity of uh, of ethnicities and diversity of income and, and diversity of, of introverts and, and extroverts and people people and task people. And, and we have this wide variety of people and everybody brings what they have to offer to the table. So it's like Thanksgiving all the time here, unless you bring the Brussels sprouts. But, but I'm saying that because sometimes we can look around and, and there's occasionally times that we don't see eye to eye with somebody in our church. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, boy, I just don't kind of like the way they handled themselves in that moment? Well, don't yuck their yum. 
you know? Like, like just, just because you're like, I'm not sure if I'm really, like, jiving with that person. You know what? That's okay. It's okay that, that, that we don't all, like, are best friends sometimes, right? It, it's okay, because when we come together as the body of Christ, and we have the different elements of who we are, together, the church is powerful. Together, the church can make a difference in the world. Together, we can make a difference in our city. And so I just want to encourage you that I want you to bring who you are and who God has made you to be to this church. I want you to bring your skills. I want you to bring your personality. I want you to bring who God has made you to be. Because together, this church is amazing. This church is incredible. You know, in our church, I would say that everyone brings four different things to the table. We all bring four different things to the table. You know, we, we all give time. We bring time to the church. Sometimes we will give talent. We bring our talents to the church on the band. We have such a talented worship band. They have like two or three rows deep on some of these musician slots because we have so much talent in the church. It's incredible. And so we have talent. We have, we have treasure. You guys give of money and, and time and, and, and talent and treasure. And, and then we bring our tribe, don't we? We bring our, we bring our people. You bring your people? We bring, we bring our tribe. We bring, we bring people to this church as well. So we all bring four different things to the table here. You know, someone, sometimes someone doesn't bring what you like. But you know, you can still be pleasant about it. God gives you grace. We can give grace too as well. Sometimes, sometimes some people need more grace than others, don't they? There's some days that I need more grace than you. And I'm grateful that you give it to me. You know, we, we have people that are serving in all kinds of different areas in our church. And if you're not serving, we'd like you to get involved. If you want to be part of this church, we have a Connect class. It's our membership class. And in there, we help discover your purpose. We help discover your personality and your spiritual giftings. And, and we help you get connected to, to our church. And you know, I... I say that it's good for us to give and it's good for us to be part of the church and to give of time, talent, treasure, and, and tribe because, not because I need something from you. I mean, I do because t- together we're better. But really, I want something for you because you see, there's a blessing when you give. There's, there's a blessing when you're involved. You know, when, when God gives to you, just like we were talking about with our giving talk this morning, but when God gives to you, it's a blessing when you are able to give to others generosity begets more generosity. And so I just want to encourage you to be generous with your time and talent and treasure. You know, growing up, growing up, I, my, uh, my, my parents planted this church 25 years ago. Most of you know that. They planted this church. So I'm a pastor's kid. And, um, and so all the rumors that you heard were probably true. I'm just going to get that on the table. Um, it's but through the grace of God that I'm standing here. And, uh, but you know, so as a pastor's kid growing up, my, my parents were always super inclusive of so many people. In fact, almost every Thanksgiving, there was some odd, not odd, um, a non-direct family member. You're not odd, but there was a, there's always a, an odd member at the table, right? There was always extra, there was an extra chair or two. My parents had a table that was big enough that had a couple of extra chairs at it. And so there would always be some extra people at our Thanksgiving meal. They filled the chairs that, that were empty at the table because they knew that there were people that needed to be in our family. They needed that, that meal. 
And so they, they, they didn't have family or friends, or, or maybe they had friends, but they didn't have family around. They didn't have any place to go on Thanksgiving, and so my, my folks would invite them over. And they, every year was different people, or sometimes it was the same people over and over again, and, and uh, they would always fill the chairs. And you know, here in our church, we've got some extra chairs. We do. we got, we got some extra chairs. And, and, and I think we need to start working at filling some ex- empty seats because there's a seat at the table with God, but there's a seat in our church for people. We have empty chairs, and I think we need to start working on filling some of these empty chairs. You know, our church, the story of getting this property is incredible. God gave us this property. He, he really did. And, and so I don't believe that God led us into this position to be the church that we've been all along. I think there is a new season coming on our church. And, and it's time for all of us to start being inviters. It's time for all of us to start bringing people. It's time for all of us to start sharing the love of Jesus everywhere that we go and start inviting people into a relationship with God, but start inviting people into even coming to our church. We say all the time that we want to live like Jesus and share his love, but you know Jesus was an inviter. He invited people to come around him all the time, everywhere that he went. He had crowds following him everywhere. There were actually times he didn't want the crowds, and, but they still followed him anyway. And he didn't kick them out and run them off. He still served them. He still preached to them and taught with them. And and he still hung out with them. Jesus was an inviter. You know, our parking lot is kind of small. And this is kind of a a side note. Maybe some of you guys know this, but but we actually, we we own a bunch of, the church owns a whole bunch of land back here on this side. There's four acres we're not using back here. So we actually rented it out. um, And it pays about a third of our facility cost, which is pretty awesome. But we're actually uh, investing a little bit of time and money back there, and, and we're actually going to increase our parking lot space for the church. And um, we believe God's given us a vision on a way to not pay one-third of the uh, facility cost, but to actually pay 100% of the facility cost of our church, which, which means this is the vision of what we have back there. And, and um, is this is that we, we believe that, that God gave us this property, and we believe that God wants to use this property to fund the property. Hear me out, right? So think about this. Even churches who end up paying off their building, because our building's not quite paid off, but even churches that pay off their building, they still have to pay for insurance. They're still got to pay for utilities and light bills, and, and they got to cover repairs and maintenance and everything else. But we believe we have a plan from God to be able to develop the back half of this property to where the dollars that come in and during tithes and offerings won't be paying for the light bill. They won't be paying for the toilet water. They won't be paying for the toilet paper. The, the repairs that are necessary on this facility will be paid for by the tenants in the back lot. So we have an, actually a vision. We're, we're starting on it right now, actually, um, on, on executing on this thing. And so we have this thing. We're going to expand the parking lot for, for parking for church members, meanwhile increasing rental income in the back. I know this might be boring for some of you, but, but I'm really excited about this. Because um, imagine, you know, imagine if 100% of the dollars that came in on tithes and offerings went directly to ministers and ministry. Imagine if that happened. Imagine if we didn't have to take overhead money off of the top to pay for the phone bill, to keep the, the phones online, to keep the internet going, to keep the lights on. Because right now there's a percentage of tithes and offerings that have to go to that kind of stuff. But I, I believe that God's leading us into a new place where we can do this thing back here. And now all of a sudden everything that we're going to be focused on with our church finances is, is now covered, 
right? Like the overhead's covered, so now all of a sudden we can focus directly on ministry. If we could free up thousands of dollars every month to be able to put that into taking care of people in our city, taking care of, there's, there's some low-income areas right around here. Imagine if we could adopt a school and provide all the school supplies for every kid in that school. Imagine if we could go find a pocket of homeless people and help them, not just with a hand out, but, but training and job skill creation to help them with a hand up. Imagine if we could do some good things in our city, because I believe that we can do some amazing things in our city. I've said it before, we're not second in Montano Church, we're city church, because God's called us to reach this city. And so I believe that we're starting something back there that's going to really help us with that. But you know, God put us in this place, in this big building, and it's time for us to fill it. Amen? It's time for us to fill it. You know, we have uh, this Christmas Eve thing, and I really want to, I want to cast this vision for you. I want to pack the church out on Christmas Eve. What do you guys think? Can we do that? Can we, we have these invite cards that are sitting in, in back here in the connect here room. And, and I want to pack the place. I want like standing room only. Um, I want complaints about the parking lot. Like I really like, let, 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 let's do this. Cause I think it's, it'd be awesome to just pack this place out and do a candlelight service with communion and, and to be able to do, so I really believe that God has a new season for us. It's a new time to reach a new, more people than we've been reaching. But, you know, I'm sitting here because somebody brought something to the table. I'm here at this church because people brought things. People in our church brought things to the table. They brought things to our church. You know, I've, I've had my fair share of ups and downs in life. But because of people in this church loving me, even in my dark days, I'm able to stand up here and preach the gospel still. Because I'm here because people brought stuff to the table. You're here because people brought stuff to the table. In fact, everybody's here because somebody invited you here. Everybody's here because somehow you stumbled across our church and came in the door. I want to say that an invitation is a very powerful thing. An invitation is a very powerful thing. You know, I, I, I think that we need to reach our city. I honestly believe that I think everybody's life would be better with Jesus at the center of their life. I believe that. I believe that everybody's life is better when Jesus is at the center of their life. I know that everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. I know that there's a reality of heaven and hell. And I know that, that, that that's something that we have to look at. And as believers in Christ, we have a, a commandment from, from God to go into the world and, and, and preach the gospel and make disciples and lead people into relationship with him. Many of us this morning have been found by Jesus. Or maybe you found him, however you want to look at it. But I want to say this, that you have found the best thing on earth. We need to talk about it. I found the best sushi restaurant the other day. It was incredible. Let me tell you about it. So I show up, and, and, and there was, there was a, a little bit of a wait, which, which to me is encouraging. When there's a, like when you go to the restaurant and it's like empty, empty, I'm a little bit discouraged, right? Yeah, you guys too. You're like, I don't know. So I show up at the restaurant and, and I go in, there's a little bit of a wait, but I get in there and I go in and they, they, how many are with you? We got a, you know, how many people with us? And we go and we sit down and, and the, the, the waiter comes over and, and says, you know, Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. The, you know, and, and how we're doing to drink and they bring us out some waters and, and they, they uh, go over and explain the menu and the specials for the day and, and the food comes out and it was just incredible. The lighting in the place was like this really cool, like a uh, vintage light bulb 
chandelier things. I don't know. It was, it was really, really sweet, and they had the music, and the, the whole ambiance was, was incredible. And, and, and I don't know if you like sushi. I love sushi. And so the sushi was just really high quality. It was, it was, it was amazing. And I wanted to tell you about it because it's so good. Are you wondering what, what it's called? So I'm not going to tell you right now. Because when you find something amazing, you want to tell everybody about it, don't you? You want to tell everybody. You have to talk to me afterwards if you want to know the name. But, but so it was incredible, isn't it? Like when you want to go tell somebody about what you found, guess what? Most of us here are believers in Christ. And if you're a believer in Christ, then you have already found the thing that is the most incredible thing on earth. Why aren't we talking about it? I can tell you all about a restaurant that was incredible, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, tell me more. What's it called? Where's it located? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, but you know what I found that's even better than a restaurant? is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I found a relationship with God himself. He made a way where there was no way so that I could communicate and be in relationship with God. That's way better than sushi. That's way better than sushi. You know, when we're talking about our relationship with Christ with people, when we're out there in the world living like Jesus, sharing his love, and, and telling people about Jesus, we've we got to be able to say, hey, we got some good news. we got some good news. And there's something that I have found is this, is that found people find people. Found people find people. If you have been found by Christ, and if you are in relationship with God, we got to be finding people. When you know how bad it's been, so you can know how good it is. Oh, come on. When you know how bad it's been, you can know how good it is. You know what I mean? Like, when you know, like, I don't have any money for groceries, but then one day you have the money to go buy the groceries, you are so grateful for the groceries that you have. All the college students are like, yeah, I feel your pain. You can finally stop eating ramen. It's glorious, isn't it? But when you know, right, you know. When you know how bad it's been, you can appreciate how good it is. If you have been found by Jesus, then you know how bad it could have been, and you know how great it could be, how great it is. Don't forget the gap. Don't forget that you were found. Don't forget where you came from. Because God's done a good thing in your life. He's done a good work in your life. And he found you. You know, now it's on us to go find people. You know, so we have these invitations we printed up, right, for the Christmas Eve service. And, and, and we, I want to encourage you to invite people to come to that, but come to church and, and invite people into a relationship with God. You know, invitations are a powerful thing. They have significance. You feel special when you're invited. In fact, when your kid doesn't get invited to that party, you know, or the, 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 the student invites... I mean, I have elementary-age kids, so maybe it's, you know, a little more dramatic for them. The two girls as well, a little bit of drama. But, you know, the other girls got all the bedazzled invitations, you know, with the things and the sparklies and the dangly things coming off of it. And and they're like, how come I didn't get an invitation? They feel left out. But on the the flip side, they, they bring home this decorated invitation, and they are so excited. You know what? They're excited to go to the birthday party. And they're going to jump on a bounce house like they've done a thousand times. And they're going to see the same kids they see all week in school. But for whatever reason, it's like super exciting because they got invited to the party. Invitations have significance in people's lives. It makes us feel wanted. It makes us feel accepted. Invitations are are, are, are a thing where it like levels the playing field. It actually tears down walls in relationship to where you can relate to somebody on a little bit different level. 
An invitation is a powerful way to reach out to others. A young man invites a lady out on a date. A business person invites a client to lunch. A housewife invites a friend over for coffee. You know, and, and families invite other families over for dinner. That invitation has power. It has significance. Last night, we, we had invited some friends over uh, from the school. And we had a couple families come over. And, and they're, they're a little, they're, uh, it, it, you put that many kids in a house, and it's crazy. And it's crazy. There's kids running around screaming everywhere. I woke up in the morning, and there's like somebody had taken a roll of tape, like a mat scotch tape, and stuck it all over my windows. And I'm like, I don't even know what happened in my house. It's like, man, they're warming up for college. This place is trashed, you know. And, and uh, you know, so like they, so there's like, it's just, it was a mess, right? It was a lot of fun, but, but all the parents and the kids and everything. And, and so, it, but they had these, we had these people over to our house. And, and you know what? We had to call them. <laughs> they didn't just show up. It wasn't like we were thinking, mm, I feel like just cooking a huge amount of food today for no reason. Ding dong. Oh, good timing. We had to, like, coordinate with them, right? We had to call them. We had to, like, ask them, hey, you want to come over for dinner? You know, there's, there's an invitation that had to happen. There was an invitation that had to happen. But, you know, invitations are important in the Bible as well. In fact, Jesus invited his disciples to be followers of him. He did. And, and, and you know, in John chapter 1, it, there's a couple of in instances here where Jesus is inviting people to be his disciples. So he, Jesus invited Andrew to be his disciple, and Andrew turns around and invited Peter. Wait, Jesus didn't invite Peter? I mean, Jesus was cool with him coming along, I guess. But, but you know, like, so Jesus actually invites Andrew, and it says that Andrew says, Hey, Peter, Peter, come on, buddy, let's go. I found, I found the Messiah. And so Jesus invited one, and one invited the other. And you think, well, Matt, that's a, kind of an odd one out, right? Well, but he happened again, so Jesus invited Philip. Jesus invited Philip, and, and Philip turned around and invited Nathaniel. Jesus has invited you to be in relationship with him. Who are you bringing along for the ride? Have you invited anybody to join you? Oh, but Pastor Matt, you don't know. <laughs> Inviting people is so hard. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Tell me about it. Inviting people is, is hard. I get it. But there's fears to inviting people, isn't there? Like there's fears to inviting people to come along with you to church. And they're real. So let's just talk about them, right? Let's just talk about them. Number one, worlds collide. When your work circle, which is so neat and tidy, can overlaps with your church circle, boy, that is hard. You know the hardest part of that is? is when you come to church and say you're going to live like Jesus and share his love, you know how you have to do it at work, too. That's the hard part. Because your circles overlap, right? Your worlds collide, and you're like, oh, man, I used to have these neat little packages of people. I had my, my friends at school, and then I had my family, and then I had my job, and then I had these other friends that I don't know how I made them, but, but they're all neatly in circles. When your worlds start colliding, all of a sudden, it is hard. Because there's another level of challenge and maybe even accountability in your life. Well, what if I don't have all the answers? 
Like, what if they ask me if, if God can make a rock so big he can't move it? What do, like, what do I tell them? I don't know. Like, can he? Or, or wait, I don't, I, it's okay. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's okay that you don't have the answers. Honestly, I don't have all the answers. But I know the one who does. When someone asks you a question that you don't know, it's, it's okay to say, hey, I don't really know. I can look that up for you. I can call Pastor Matt. No, don't do that. Look it up. I can look it up for you. <laughs> you can call me if you want. But, but you know, like, it's, um, but, you know, it's like, you got to say, like, oh, yeah, no, it's not, it's not a big deal. I understand. I don't know everything either. Guess what? It's okay that you don't know. It's like if you, friend, you take your friend to your favorite restaurant, and they ask you, what, what brand of stove are they using in the back to cook this meal? Like, I, I don't know. You like the food, don't you? Well, yeah, but what about this? What if God could do this and that? I don't know. You like the food, don't you? <laughs> it's okay that you don't know. Well, but Matt, you don't know because church can be unpredictable sometimes. Church can be unpredictable. What if they sing five songs instead of four this week? What if they sing that one song about, like, lamb's blood and hallelujahs? Because then i got to try to explain that because then, then that's awkward. So how about this? I'll invite my friend to church. If you can tell me what you're preaching on with a sermon outline, what the song list is, who's leading worship, who's on electric guitar, because are they going to hit the right notes or not? Because if they maybe, I don't know, are the drums going to be loud? What's the decibel level of the sound system? Who's greeting at the door? Because, you know, who's greeting at the door might determine their experience. And when did we start making church so perfectionistic? It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay, right? I mean, sure, we strive for excellence. And, and yeah, we, we want to be all that God has designed us to be, and we want to reach for those things, but it's okay to not be okay. I'm not okay some days. I know you don't like to think that, but, but some days I'm not okay. I lose my temper. I yell at the kids. I kick the cat. Well, cat deserves it, but that's okay. <laughs> But you know, like, like, come on, let's get real. We're honest, right? We all have issues, and we're all working on, on this process and on this journey with God. So church is unpredictable. Well, man, you know what, Matt? It could risk my relationship. It could risk my relationship. I want to challenge you in this way. Your friendship, the fulcrum of your current friendship is not church. It's something else. It's soccer. It's work. It's something else. If they come to church, don't make church the fulcrum of your relationship. You don't have to change that. Your friendship can still be balanced on whatever it was already balanced on. And if they don't like something in church and you don't like it either, you can say, yeah, I don't like that part either, but the rest of it's pretty good. You know, the fulcrum of your relationship doesn't have to be church because if it's not already there, now, us, and if you already know each other, you meet in church, well, then all of a sudden the fulcrum of your relationship is hinged on church. It could risk our relationship. I mean, it, it might. Don't get me wrong. But so could anything, really. I could bring you to that sushi place, and you could get sick, and then you'd be like, man, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> oh, it's too foreign to them. I don't think they would understand. 
singing about lamb's blood and hallelujahs, and I don't think they're just going to, they're just not going to get it. But you know what? We actually, we try pretty hard around here to, to try to make sure that we explain some of those things. And if I don't explain it well, tell me. I don't understand what that is. Why is there blood of lamb and things? You know, like, it's, you can tell me. Like, we try to explain it. We try to, we try to make it clear. I, I, try to, I try to make sure that I do this stuff, and, and I know that our worship team tries as well. They try to make sure they're picking songs that can help, like, common language that help people express their love to Jesus. We, we try, but you're right. It might be a little bit foreign to them. But if you've never had sushi, I'm going to blow your mind at this restaurant. It's foreign to you too, but you're going to like it. Don't, don't answer for people. Like, don't, don't just assume that they're not going to like it. Don't just assume that they're just going to reject you and your family. And, and, and sometimes we, we answer for people. Have you ever done that? I was in sales for a long time, and, and I would start to like, talk people out of buying what I'm trying to sell them. You know, like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, this one is kind of expensive. Like, like maybe, nah, you're, you know, you know, so they don't, even, they don't even say they can't afford it, but in my head, I think maybe they, they can't afford it, you know. So I talk them out of the nicer product into the more inferior product, um, and, and I talk, I talk, I spent, I stop spending their, their money, you know, as a salesperson. It's like, no, you're supposed to spend their money. <laughs> That's part of the thing, right? But sometimes as, as a believer, we can, we can basically talk people out of following God because we think of what they, their perspective might be, but you don't know where they're at. You don't know what God's been doing in their heart and in their life. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's been working on their heart and in their mind and in their spirit. And you're the person that's supposed to come along and help lead them over that final step. You're the person that's supposed to come along. So don't, don't just downplay your role in their life. Don't talk yourself out of it. They wouldn't belong. They wouldn't belong in our church. Really? You've, you've met me, Right? Oh, but their history. Pastor Matt, if you knew their history. Yeah, do you know my history? Oh, but the way they look, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I got you. You know, I'm not the prettiest thing to look at. Or where they're from. Or, but, you know, I'm just glad that somebody didn't say that about me. I am. I'm glad. I'm glad nobody said that about me. They would belong. Our church is one of the friendliest, most welcoming people I've ever been around. What if, what if they work on Sunday? They work on Sunday. Well, you know what? If we invite enough people to church and the church grows, we can do like a Saturday night service and reach people who are working on Sunday morning. That sounds like fun, huh? Right? That'd be kind of cool. But right now, we, we, we're not in a place to do that. We would have to grow a little bit to get there. But we can do that. But what about your small group? Oh, I don't know if I can invite them to small group. I mean, you meet at Wex at, you know... Friday morning is at 6 in the morning or wherever your small group meets. You can invite them there. That's a great one, isn't it? Because not even, not even your house. It's like a restaurant, and it's a pretty good one, you know? Like, like what about inviting them to a holiday thing? Or, or what about just inviting them to your home, inviting their family to come hang and eat dinner with your family? Last night, I had a pretty awesome ministry moment with somebody. They're not a believer, but they're in my home. You can minister to somebody in your home. It doesn't have to be in a church building. You can minister to somebody at WEX. You can invite them to your small group. You can invite them to join you. You can invite them on holiday events. We do other events around the church here that help people connect with people. You can invite them to Christmas Eve. 
my friends came over. I had to call them. I had to invite them. They didn't just show up randomly. But you know what I did is I asked them beforehand, hey, what's a good day for you guys? Well, let me back that up. Amber called them. Because <laughs> I'm like, cool dude, come over. You know, and Amber is like, hey, do you have any food allergies? What's a good day of the week for you? You know, and so she starts like figuring this stuff out, right? Because if they're allergic to a certain food, well, I'm not going to cook that food, right? And, and, and oh, Friday night's got not good for you, but Saturday night is. Okay, well, we can do Saturday night. Let's, let's, do, a, let's do a Saturday night thing. But, but you see, here's what happens on Saturday when you invite somebody over to your house for, for dinner. And as, as we have a, a, a moment of, oh, we better vacuum the floors. We better clean up the stuff. Oh, girls, make sure your bedrooms are clean. And then we have the talk, you know, the talk with your kids of like, okay, you got to behave. you got to say this. Don't burp at the table. You know, all the different rules, right? He's like, we're going to try to put on our good first impression. And, and, and we have guests coming over to our house, and that's the first time they've been there. And so we try to put on the, 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 at least the, like the cleanliness stuff, like the, the hospitality side of things starts to get kicked in, and the whole family gets to work on this thing. Now, there's those people that show up at my house on the regular basis. They don't even ring the doorbell. They just walk in. They walk into my kitchen, they grab a cup out of the cabinet because they know which cabinet it's in. And they open up the fridge and they grab a juice or whatever they wanted to and they pour it in. And, and some of them even have keys to my house. I don't even know how that happened. But, but they got keys to my house. And I'll, I haven't showed up yet and seen them there like ahead of me yet. But, but they got keys to my house. So, you know, but I, I've got these kinds of friends in my life, right? And so but those people, I'm not going to vacuum the house for them before they show up. I don't have to tell my kids, don't burp at the table. And in fact, they probably have burping contests together, you know, and and, and there's, like a, there's a comfort level that starts to happen when, when you have somebody in your life, in your home, on a regular basis. But the house of God is kind of like that, too. You know, when, when someone comes and, and visits, and, and if you're visiting this, this week, I'm glad that you're here. And, but then these people come and, come and visit the church, come and hang out. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, here's where the free coffee is. Here's where the kids' check-in is. And then when you go to the kids' check-in to get your kids registered, the person behind the desk has got to help you with getting everything set up the right way. And, and then we show you where everything's at. Here's where the bathrooms are because they're in a weird place. You guys ever weird, right? Our building got some funky layout. And so, but, you know, we got to show them where things are at and kind of point the ropes and, and here's where things are at. But, you know, if you've been coming to the church for a while, you don't even think twice about it. You just walk right up to the coffee maker, pump yourself some coffee because it's like it's your house too. Which means, church, we got to be able to reach out for those who are showing up. we got to be able to put our arms around those people who, who, who are the, the guests in our, in our church. It doesn't mean that the regular, everyday folk like you and me are like second-class citizens. You just know where the cup is. You just know where the water is. Half of you have a key to this place. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think, I don't know, it seems like there's a lot of keys out there. What's the atmosphere that you set in your home so that your guests can feel comfortable? What's the atmosphere we need to set in our church home so that our guests can feel comfortable? So I told you we get to the Bible. That was my introduction. We're running out of time. What do you think? Are we going to get it? All right, let's go to Luke chapter 15. Sorry. Yeah, Luke 15. My screen says John 15. I'm really sorry. That's, that's my bad. I, I typed my slides wrong. So we're actually in Luke 15. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him. 
And the Pharisees and scribes, they grumbled, a bunch of whiners, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, and he rejoices. And he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And and it continues in in verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There are three things that are needed. There are three things that are needed, and it's outlined right here in this verse. When we're looking to reach out to someone, when we're looking to invite somebody to come sit at the table, just like my parents used to do all those years ago, they would invite people to sit at their their Thanksgiving table. And just like my wife and I did just last night. We invited people into our home to sit at our Friendsgiving table. You like that? So I stole that off the internet. And, but the Friendsgiving, right? So we, we had these people invited over, but you got to invite people over. But in order to invite people into a relationship with you, but really in order to invite people into a relationship with God, there are three things that I see in this scripture that apply. Number one is compassion. We must have compassion. See, the tax collectors and the sinners had gathered around Jesus. The tax collectors and the sinners had gathered around them. Why were they so eager to hear what he had to say? Jesus has the words of life. He he does. He has the words of life. He is the hope in hopeless situations. He brings peace to restless situations. But Jesus showed compassion rather than condemnation. Jesus showed compassion rather than condemnation for these people. These people who were far from God, who were interested, they were seeking, they wanted to have a relationship with this Jesus. He was curious to them. They wanted to find out who is this person and what is going on. And so he said, I got compassion for you, not condemnation, whereas the religious people had condemnation for those who were far from God. You see, Jesus was a friend. He wasn't a foe. When the person in your life who is far from God, and you have a, relation, you have a conversation with them, and they say something that you don't believe in, you don't have to fight them on that. You don't have to set the record straight. You don't have to fight for justice in that moment. You can be a friend. You can be a friend. Last night, one of the people in my house said, I, I don't know if I can believe in a God that allows bad things to happen in this world. I guess I'm a bit of an atheist because I don't think God can exist because he's either omnipotent or he's not. He's either everywhere or he's not. 
I can't, I can't look at a God that, that has these characteristics and then look at this world and see bad things that happen. Now, I could have jumped in right there. I could have, I could have set the record straight. I could have pulled out Bible verses to quote to him, to be able to say why, he, why, why I believe what I believe and why what he's saying is wrong. But think about this. From his perspective, I might as well be pulling out Harry Potter and quoting lines from Harry Potter. I mean, obviously, Harry Potter's a work of fiction, and the Bible is the word of God. But from his perspective, he doesn't really believe that. And so I could have, I could have jumped in and, and, and fought for, for justice. I could have corrected him. I could have, I could have gotten in there right. But, but, here's, but here's where I felt like God was telling me to do in that moment. I said, yeah, I totally understand what you mean. It's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that a good God would let bad things happen. You know, I don't fully understand that as well. But what I do know is that I don't want to worship a God that I can fully understand. I didn't have to fight him on why bad things happen in this world. I don't want to. That's not it. But, but we serve a God that is bigger than our understanding. And honestly, if God can fit in my, if, if, the, if an infinite God can fit in my finite mind, that's not God. His ways are bigger and higher and than ours, you know, and, 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 and that's all, it's all you, I don't have to fight them. I just have to show compassion. I totally understand what you're saying. I get it. That is hard to understand. And I probably don't fully understand it either. I mean, I think I do, but I don't really need to, like, lay down the law. And you don't necessarily need to lay down the law. You need to show compassion. You don't have to agree with them either. But you don't have to make them a foe. You can make them a friend. Jesus made them a friend. He shared compassion with those who are far from God. The second thing that you see in this passage is that there was effort that had to be made. The shepherd had to go look and keep looking and looking until he found that lost sheep. The woman swept her whole house, cleaned it from top to bottom. Where's that, where's that, that, that uh, the dime or the piece of silver? Where, where is that, where's that money? I can't find that money. And so he's, the effort was there. They just searched and searched and searched, and they worked and worked and worked. And, and if we're going to be people who invite people to, into a relationship with God, if we're going to be people that point people to Jesus, it's going to take some work. The shepherd didn't wait around to see if the sheep just wandered back home. The woman didn't just wait around and think, well, that coin's going to turn up one day. We tend to think we're going to wait around until the lost come to us. That's not what Jesus taught, and that's not what he modeled. He went to them and invited them. We need to be active instead of passive. How? Well, number one is, are you praying for people in your life? Do you have people in your life who are far from God, and are you praying for them? Are you praying for the lost every day, by name? Are you praying that God will be drawing them closer? You've got to be praying for them, number one. Number two You've got to find ways to have positive interaction with them. You've got to live like Jesus and share his love. Typically that happens in kindness and positive interactions. Can, can, you, can you find ways to show love and compassion in a kind way with people? Can you create those positive or find those positive interactions? People who are far from God are people that we love. They're not projects we work on. And it's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some time and possibly some money to buy them Starbucks or 
Go hang out with them. The third thing I see in this passage is persistence. They continue to seek. The shepherd and woman continue to seek the lost item until they found it. All through business, all through life, everywhere that you go, persistence tends to be a key for success. If you just keep pushing and just keep fighting and just keep working, oftentimes failure comes because we quit. Can we be persistent in seeking the lost? Sometimes it takes years or effort or, or months or maybe even decades. Can we move people one step across on the number line? We've talked about this before, but we have those we have people that, that we've meet that, that are far from God and, and if zero is the point where they make a decision to follow Jesus and negative ten is as far away from God you can get. We have people in our lives who are maybe a negative five or a seven or or, or a mega, negative six, oftentimes we put pressure on ourselves that we need to take somebody from a negative seven all the way across the zero in one conversation. But that's not really how it works. In fact, you, you meet somebody and you have a positive interaction and you point them to Jesus and they might go from a negative seven to a negative six. Or if you're really good, negative six to a negative four. Or if you're like me, a negative four to a negative 3.95. You know, like you just scoot them a little bit at a time, right? A little bit at a time. And, and there's multiple interactions that happen along people's lives. And, and you don't know where you're at. Sometimes you're, you're planting seeds in people's lives. Sometimes you're, you're helping cultivate what God's already working on in their life. And, and you're, you're moving them forward in their relationship towards God. And, 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 and there's a point where they make a decision where they say, yes, I believe in God. But th- you know what? The Bible says that, that you, Jesus was saying that you're going you're gonna to reap where you haven't planted. You're, you're going to harvest where you didn't plant. You did that, that other people have planted, and, 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 the, and it's your turn to go harvest. It's your turn to gather. It's your turn to move them from the negative into the positive number line. Church, I believe that it is our season to start harvesting where we have not planted. The harvest is ripe, and the workers are few. But I don't know about you, but I look around this room, and I see workers all over this place who love Jesus and want to show the, the world that they live like Jesus and share his love. It's time, church. It's time. God did not move us to this building in this location to sit here and be the same as we were. He moved us here to be able to reach this community. He moved us here with these empty chairs to fill these chairs. He moved us here so that we can see people come into relationship with God and get baptized in water and to be able to see. We got to be able to see this happen. We got to be able to see this happen. And sure, it's my job, but it's your job too. It's our job. We have the best thing and the best news on the planet. And God has an empty seat with your friend's name on it. Will you invite them? Will you invite them to that party? Will you make the effort? Will you have the compassion? Will you make the effort and will you be persistent? Jesus was criticizing the religious people at this time when he was saying the sheep and the coin. He was pointing out the hypocrisy of what the religious people in the Bible were doing. If a sheep and coin are worth the persistence, people are certainly worth the persistence. People are certainly worth the persistence. The religious leaders were indifferent towards those who were far from God, sometimes even hostile. 
resistant. They were resistant to people even coming to Jesus, criticizing Jesus. And why are these people here? And why do you hang out with these people? The parable highlighted their hypocrisy of how they treated sheep and coins with more value than people. The one thing that matters to God most is the lost. It says that all of heaven rejoices when one comes. All of heaven rejoices when, when one person comes to Jesus. Church, let us be inviters. Let's invite people into a relationship with God. If people matter so much to God, shouldn't they matter this much to us too? Church, will you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you found us. God, I thank you that you found me. God, and I know that you are the way and the truth and the life. And so, God, I just I just am grateful for what you have done in my heart and in the hearts of those in our church this morning. God, let us be people who find others. Let us be those who find others. Let us invite others into a relationship with you. God, help us pray for the lost every day. Help us pray for those who are far from you. Help us have compassion and love. Help us guide them, God. Help us be aware of the number line that we're just moving them a little and a little and a little. God, let us give us our open eyes to see when somebody's ready to make a decision and help us to guide them into that place. This morning, with, with the head, every head bowed and eye closed, this morning you might be here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You might be sitting here and, and saying, Matt, that's yeah, great what you're talking about, but, but I'm, I'm really far from God right now. And, and, and I'm not sure if I found him. And, and I'm not sure if I have this relationship with God. This morning, you can make that decision. This morning, you can open your heart to Jesus and say yes to him. I know that in my own hands, my life doesn't go in the best way. But, but when I put my life in the hands of Jesus and the hands of God, when I put my life in the hands of Jesus, he does a whole lot more with my life than I could ever do. And if you've never put your life in the hands of Jesus, today can be your day. Today can be your day to make that decision to say yes. I'm saying yes to Jesus, and I'm putting my life in his hands. If you're here this morning, and, you're, and that's where you're at, and you say yes, I am. That's what I'm making that decision today, and I want to put my life in Jesus' hands. You've never, either never made that decision before, or you walked away from the Lord and need to come back. We just put your hand up right where you're at. I just want to see that hand. i got resources for you, and I want to help you. This morning, nobody made a decision, but we do make that offer every week because we believe in heaven and hell. We believe that people need to have their heart right with Jesus. So church, this morning, we have prayer teams that are going to be on either side of the stage. They come here this morning specifically to pray for you. They're not here because they have to. They're here because they want to. And so we're going to dismiss the service at this time. But if you need prayer for anything, either it's a physical healing or an emotional healing, or you just need someone to stand with you in prayer for something you're going through in life. They are here and they want to pray with you. They're going to be on the other side of the stage. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And I can't wait to see you next Sunday.
I'm coming back to the start.